Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-A-C-C Sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he gets the podcast going and we, as we try to get our guest onto the show. Well, thank you for introducing here this week, Jeff. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. Welcome to This Week in the ACC. Again, I'm your moderator. This is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter at, at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. And you can follow Jeff on Twitter, who is at Talking ACC Sports. The site Twitter account for all sports discussion is at all sports DAC ACC. Excuse me. I'll, let me try it. Let me try that again. At all sports D ACC. Our site Twitter, our site address, just so you know, it is all discussion.com. And we have a special guest tonight on the podcast. Joining us this week is national college football blogger, Football Writers Association member and a writer on occasion at All Sports DACC. You can also find him uh, on this podcast frequently. You can follow Terry Johnson on Twitter at, at Terry P. Johnson. And he is a fellow airplane fl- fan. You're not going to find anybody that is a bigger airplane f- fan than us, I think. That's probably the case. Jeff, before, you know, I haven't seen our guest show up again here. So I'm going to run through some ACC basketball and perhaps you can help perhaps you can help him try help him try to get on. Maybe he's having issues with maybe he needs to reinstall the app on his phone. Maybe he needs to do some something with his phone. I'm I think the last time we spoke with him, he was an Android user, I believe. I don't some people are Android users. Some people are iPhone users. Some people will never leave one for the other, and you never know how that's all going to work out, right? Because some people are very connected to one and not not to not to not to the not to the other. So let me run through this here. I mean, Syracuse really got a big win. Let's go here yesterday, right? Syracuse really got a big win at Georgetown. I don't care what what the rivals' records are. You can go out on the road and get a record uh, win at Georgetown in front of a big crowd. That's a big deal. I was a little surprised yesterday to see Florida State get waxed by South Florida. We might be could uh, Jeff, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong here, but we might be putting Florida State in the same breath as Notre Dame and Louisville because I, it seems not to be really good there right now. I, I'm I, I have questions about Florida State. Louisville got their hand, got got it really got it handed to him by DePaul yesterday and 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 Kenny Payne is losing the fan base extremely quickly. I've mentioned my thoughts before on Twitter that I think that Kenny Payne is headed towards a James Johnson type type of exit. I know you wrote about, wrote about him today saying that they probably need to pull the plug now and they may you know there is some truth to that. I mean if you find that that nothing is really going to get better that you know, you may have to consider that, but you know, I went through a long conversation with some folks today on on Twitter about how much they owe Coach Mack, the prior coach, you know, Chris Mack, 
and how much they how much they will pay how much they will pay for a buyout to uh, to um, Kenny Payne and it you know they you know, if they wait till the end of the year after the year it's eleven if they eleven million if they do it now they're still chalking up thirteen million dollars for a year for the between the two coaches and it becomes harder to hire so harder to hire someone so you're they're in that position there then you've got the Clemson holding up the RPI on uh, you know for the conference. Uh, which is obviously they had a very big win against TCU uh, up in up in Toronto. I mean, that was a huge a huge deal there, you know. And so the, those are some of the obvious major major you know some of the major games that I saw from yesterday. Yesterday, I mean, Marquette just blitzed the heck out of Notre Dame, and it, and quite frankly, it wasn't close at all. That was perhaps one that was one of the more lopsided contests in ACC play yesterday. So. That's really sort of a catch up from you know today's you know today's and yesterday's action. Uh, obviously, the biggest you know perhaps the biggest win of the weekend was seeing Boston College over St. John's. It was a huge, big victory for the BC Eagles. And I've mentioned before on Twitter. I mean, I'll, I'll own it that I think that Boston College has an outside shot at an NCAA bid. I mean, it obviously looked terrible today to see Miami just get smacked around. But by uh, Colorado, but when you turn the ball over 19 times and Colorado, you know, chalking 60% up from three, those things are going to happen. And people have concerns about Miami's defense. I know, but I've been talking here for a while. Um, I'm not, uh, Jeff, it looks like you sent the, the, uh, the, the link to another ad to another address here for, for our podcast. Is that how that's, that's worked? Do you have any comments on ACC basketball here? I think I covered it pretty well here, but uh, yeah, I mean, it when it comes to when it comes to to Kenny Payne, Kenny Payne makes James Johnson look like John Wooden. <laughs> he's he's got like a a nineteen percent winning percentage since he's gotten to Louisville, and. Um, it's like 9% or something, a winning percentage in the ACC. He's, you know, they actually, they were a couple flashes of Louisville that for a moment you thought, hey, I think they might be better than last year. And they are, I think, but they couldn't be worse than they were last year. They were historically maybe the worst ACC team. Um, we Definitely the worst we've seen in the last 25 years and maybe one of the very worst all time. Um but I mean, this was a team that came within a last-second shot of beating uh, Texas on a neutral site. But that game against DePaul was a was a disaster, and that really set things back because DePaul is awful. DePaul might be the well until they beat Syracuse or until they beat Louisville. Some thought that Louis, that uh, DePaul was the worst, you know, Power Six uh, team in the country. They were that bad. And they boat raced Louisville yesterday. It was just a disastrous um, performance by Louisville. And I'm not really sure, you know, if they can find the money, there's not really any reason to continue with Kenny Payne. They're not even, they're not recruiting well. They don't play well. Uh, they're dragging the ACC's metrics down as a conference. Again, you know, Nets, um, you know, over 150 RPI, Ken Palm ratings, just just all like terrible. 
Um, you know, Notre Dame was going through a, a coaching change. They're awful too. And like you said, with Florida State, um, you know, this was a team, you know, you talked about uh, Colorado and Miami. I mean, they beat that Colorado team in a preseason tournament. And you thought, hey, Florida State, that might be a team that that could, you know, come in from off the radar here and be pretty decent. And they've lost three games in a row since then. Um, they've just the wheels have come off since they blew a 17 point home lead, uh, second half lead against Georgia. There was eight minutes left in that game, and they let that get away from you. And then they go on the road to North Carolina. No surprise to lose there. But then you lose to USF, South Florida. That's not a good team, and and the wheels have come off for Leonard Hammer and and Florida State. Um. Matthew, have you have you been able to check on our on our guest? I can't I can't get anything, Jeff. I nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right. Let me stop it here. We're gonna try one more time with Terry and send it. I'll send this time it'll go to his his new email address that he gave me. Okay. Oh, there he is. We got you, Terry. It must have just been an update or something. That was can you turn your phone up because we can barely hear you all right how about now a little more a little more if you can that was better we, we almost got you here terry we're ready to go all right, yeah. it's, it's gonna be a little loud but we'll i think we'll get there All right. How are you doing there, Terry? I can't hear you at all, Terry. Are you talking in a receiver sp uh, speaker or a phone or, or mic? I can't. We can barely hear you. You might be able to speak into the receiver. Sometimes that works, too. It's a little better. Okay. Yeah, that that is better. Okay. We'll go from there. How about now? It may have been a little better before that. You know, when you were a little. How about now? That's better. Okay. So I lower your volume. Okay, I can do that. All right, Matthew. I'm gonna turn it over to you. We gave a. Our listeners, a little review of ACC uh, basketball before we got into the podcast. Keep an eye uh, on the Clemson Tigers, 9-0 and to start the year. Um, number one rated RPI team in the country right now. Fresh off a win on a neutral site at T with TCU. Uh, Got to play at Memphis next week. That is going to be a great basketball game. Um, for those saying the ACC is down in basketball this year. Uh, they've been kind of running two and three as the number two or number three rated RPI conference in the country. 
Um, so if people are still saying the ACC is way down, it's not vintage. It's not vintage ACC season, but if they're still saying it's way down, they're not paying attention. You know, you're absolutely – can I just say that? You're absolutely right, Jeff, because if you're like the Big Ten and you get 10 teams in the tournament and you're out in the first round, like it, like it always happens with them, nobody can say that they're actually seriously tough and nobody can really take them seriously. And I'm sorry if I'm ranting, Terry. Hey, the, the Big Ten – has one le- they have one legitimate team in that entire conference. <laughs> All right, Terry. Well, <laughs> welcome to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We're thrilled to have you back on. He, uh, a a a former national college football blogger, a football writers association of America. He's been a writer for AllSportsDiscussion.com. He's you can follow him on Twitter at, at Terry P. Johnson. He is an airplane f- plan just uh, fan just like me. He is a coder, a programmer, and a coach, a youth coach extraordinary. Terry, did I catch that all? Yes, sir. And I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of every bit of it. I, I, I'm glad that uh, you guys uh, are so kind to showcase everything I can do. We're thrilled to have you back on, and we're also happy that you were willing to listen to me rant about how weak Big Ten basketball is and how they get overhyped and too much credit, and I'm tired of saying, quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing about it. So, (laughs) the fact that it's it's true doesn't make it any less, uh, you know, that I want to hear it, because I want to hear it. It is true. Nobody cares how good you are if you're out of the tournament in the first week. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, man. So, man, review the ACC football season with us. I mean, who is your team of the year, and which which football team really disappointed you the most? I think the team of the year has to be Florida State. They beat, by God, number one LSU with a quote unquote Heisman Trophy quarterback. They beat Clemson on the road. They beat Florida in Gainesville with a backup quarterback. Then they beat a ten and one. Louisville team by basically running what my kids run, the uh, single wing and a dominating defense. And there's something really endearing to me about that last one because that's, that's what my little boys do. But, I mean, if we're talking about the four best teams, I want anybody to pick three other teams in the country that could have accomplished what Florida State did under the circumstances that Florida State accomplished it. Um, and don't say Texas, which gave up six yards per play in four different games. Florida State only did that in one game all year, and that was a head-scratcher against Boston College that I don't think anybody understands. So teams improved from week to week. Florida State did everything that, that we asked them to do. That's the best team. That's one of the four best teams. They belong in the dance. Or the, the I'm so used to saying dance because you guys got me <laughs> already. They belong in you the dance. You got it, man. We're always thinking hoops. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, I was going to say, I am too. I mean, we, we've, uh, we're, we, we started uh, right around Thanksgiving. We're, we're six basketball games in. We're finally starting to understand my amoeba zone. So I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Now, to get back on topic, the biggest disappointment was Clemson. Uh, all we heard last year was about how DJ was the problem and Brandon Streeter was a problem. But once we get Klubnik and Garrett Riley, we're going to dominate. Didn't happen. Struggled on offense all season and lost four conference games. And, you know, even with those awesome defenses that Brent Venables has never seen before, it didn't pay off. Uh, Again, four losses with the seventh best defense 
in the country, that, that's got to be a huge disappointment. And, um, you know, again, whether we like it or not, uh, to, to a lot of you, your average college football fans, uh, they're, they're looking at Clemson as the, the um, rightly or wrongly, they're looking at Clemson as the gold standard of the ACC. When Clemson loses four games, it brings the whole conference down, kind of like how Ohio State gets punished for losing 49-10 to 10 or whatever it was against Purdue 15 years ago. It's just one of those things that happens. Good answers, Terry. I'm going to ask you just a, re a couple of real quick lightning follow-ups there. You you must like the progress that you're seeing at both the Techs, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. Oh, I don't see how you – I mean, I, I believe uh, some idiot you had on your show earlier this year, his name rhymes with Terry Johnson, didn't think either team was going to be very good this year, didn't think either team was going to go to a bowl. And look at them now. I mean, they both are in winnable games for a bowl game. I mean, if you told me – a couple months ago, both teams were going to win a bowl game and finish ahead of Clemson in the standings. Wow. So, uh, you know, hard not to be impressed. I really like what I see. Uh, can't wait to see what the future holds for both programs. Definitely. definitely. Jeff, you're up, friend. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Um, Terry, let's, let's look at uh, the ACC and its bowl games. Uh, I'm going to pull up the schedule here now and just get your, your quick thoughts on the winner and loser of each game. And I know it, it's, it's, it's really getting almost impossible now to predict these games because of so many opt-outs and transfers. But, you know, that's still part of the fun. So we're going to go with the first ACC bowl game, Syracuse and South Florida, Boca Raton Bowl on December 21st. Syracuse finds a way to get the job done, and people start to question whether or not it was time to move on from Coach Babers. I, I, I understand the argument, but um, I like the man, and I've learned a lot from him. So, All right. Um, we got the Gasparilla Bowl on December 22nd, Georgia Tech uh, versus Central Florida. Pretty, you know, that's a couple pretty good offenses in, in, in this game, first bowl game in five years for Georgia Tech. Who, who you got in this one? Georgia Tech. And it pains me to say that because, again, uh, Gus, Gus Malzahn is, is one of the best offensive minds in the game. But, again, Georgia Tech, just they, they, they have better players. They have better athletes. Uh, UCF's kind of had a, 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 a struggle session in the Big 12. If you're struggling against the Big 12, the worst conference in the land, you're not going to beat a strong team from, you know, one of the better conferences in the land. All right. Uh, now we're on to the Birmingham Bowl. Duke versus Troy. Duke without Mike Elko, who's on to Texas A&M. And I saw something going across Twitter that the interim coach for Duke was headed to Texas A&M, too. I don't know how, how accurate that is, but... Uh, Duke coaching staff here are kind of getting kind of thin. Yeah, I would. I think I would have picked Troy in that one, anyways, because they've been struggling with respect all year. Even when they made it to the Sun Belt Championship game, they're like, "Oh, it's App State. They beat my God, Texas A&M. They're in trouble now." Troy's got something to prove. I think they have more to play. I mean, I'm 
not trying to use the SEC excuse where, well, Duke has nothing to play for. I'm not trying to do that, but uh, again, I, I feel like Troy wants this one more. They, you know, they're playing, you know, a, a quote-unquote neutral home game. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like Tro I like uh, Troy to pull that one out. All right. Um, I know this one's going to have a lot of interest from Matthew. The Military Bowl, Virginia Tech versus Tulane. basically pump up that narrative on steroids. You know, if 6-6 six six Virginia Tech beats 11-2 Tulane, you know, that, that talk is going to continue and that's going to make for some real interesting uh, college football playoff debates in the future. I say Virginia Tech pounds them and you know, that discussion goes on. Well, hey, what is the gap between the Power 5 and well, Power 4 now and, uh, and the others? So that, that, that Virginia Tech's going to win and make that statement. All right, now we got um, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina and West Virginia. Uh, I got to go with West Virginia in that one. Again, kind of more to play for. For North Carolina, you know, we, we had great expectations coming in the season. 84 is kind of not what they had in mind. I just kind of see it as a flop. And, you know, again, like you said, we have no idea. This is just a, a gut feeling. This game means something to West Virginia because, again, they've been – I don't know how many times I said, well, is West Virginia kicked out? Are they going to have to make a coaching change? They have to... West Virginia has something to prove to say we're on the right track. All right. Uh, then closing out, December 27th, the Holiday Bowl with Louisville playing a USC team without Caleb Williams. Well, I was going to say, with Caleb Williams, I don't think it was mine. I mean, Louisville, uh, you know, d d don't let that uh, game against Florida State fool you. They've got an explosive offense. They'll score points. Um, for, for those listeners that aren't familiar with me, my wife uh, went to Utah. We're, we're big Pac-12 fans. We watch a lot of Pac-12 football. USC couldn't slow down bad offenses. They're not going to slow down a good offense. Louisville wins this one and makes a statement. All right. Uh, now we're on to the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Boston College versus incoming ACC member at SMU. Coming in off a 10-win season, too. Well, I was going to say, I, this is another one where um, I'm going to make my pick, and I'm going to say it makes no sense. I like Boston College for New England. Just for the only reason is that I've seen a ton of Sun Belt teams that come out. Or, um, by the Sun Belt, I mean geographic location in that conference. They're in. I know they're in there. Well, they're in AAC for now. They'll be uh, they'll they'll be Power Five next year. But just load to a team. Hey, we have a high flying offense. Yeah, do that in Fenway in, in uh, you know late December. Let me know how that works out. Um, again, SMU. I can't say enough good things about them. They're Preston Stone. Oh, he's hurt. He's hurt. What are we gonna do? Oh, they bring in their backup quarterback. Still win the conference championship. Convincing. Uh, SMU's a good team. Boston College. Pulls this one out, and we're all scratching our heads just like we did when they played Florida State early in the year. All right. Uh, now we're going on to the Pinstripe Bowl. Miami uh, versus Rutgers in there. Who's going to play quarterback for Miami in this one? The only thing I can tell you 
but short of that, I hear everyone's available. Um, just because I'm a, a sick person and I like to write interesting storylines, I say Rutgers wins that one. And Rutgers wins that one, and Miami fans are so furious afterwards that they lost to Greg Schiano of all people, that they make a coaching change. Interesting. All right, we got the Pop-Tarts Bowl, North Carolina State versus Kansas State. And this is one of the more intriguing uh, games of bowl season. North Carolina State trying to get that elusive 10th win. All right, got a couple more here to close this uh, segment out. We got the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, Clemson versus Kentucky. All right, and the ACC's uh, bowl season uh, finishes off with the Orange Bowl and the uh, the Orange Bowl. We call it the All Snub Bowl, I would say, between Florida State and Georgia. Uh, I'm going to go with Georgia in that one, and I, I look. I'll be honest. I feel like Florida State belonged in the college football playoff. I feel like Georgia did too, and I feel like that that's where the committee really kind of messed up because a. You know, if it's about the four best teams, these two teams were among the four best teams, and I'll have that debate with anybody, anytime, anywhere. Um, quite frankly, Georgia's mad. Um, it doesn't happen very much here. Like, uh, you know, most SEC teams, when they get snubbed, they'll go to a bowl and lay an egg. Alabama's done that several times. Georgia's mad, and all their top players from next year are coming back. They're 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 gonna springboard this game into next year. Uh, Florida State will will keep it close. I think Georgia's just a little bit better, um, and I I would feel that way even if Jordan Travis were in there. Georgia is one of the few offensive lines that I've seen this year that isn't going through the epidemic that everybody else has. They play physical smash mouth football. They make blocks. They hold blocks. Uh, you'll see a lot of games, particularly in the college football playoff, that won't happen. So uh, Georgia wins, but it's it's a better game than any of the college football playoff games will be. All right, I hear you there, Terry. Um, I'm going to turn it over. Oh, okay, we got one more se- question from my side, and and you kind of alluded to some of your thoughts on this. Um, so I got a feeling I know where you're going to go. Give us your thoughts on the college football playoff selections. You know, what do you what do you feel about the committee's job? And, you know, Matthew and I talked about this this last week, uh, so they know our feelings on it. You know, who do you think got snubbed? Uh, is there any criteria out there that you think needs to be improved for selecting teams? Yes, I mean, I, 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 there's all sorts of, you know, Twitter 
Twitter slash X is a wonderful place. There are all sorts of um, conspiracy theories out there about how, as Bob Knight would say, you darn people from television got involved in Alabama, got in. Um, again, I want to see it based – it's one of two things. It's either you're picking the four best teams and records are irrelevant. Who Give me four teams that are better than everybody else. Or you're going to make it based on some kind of metric. The problem I have with Texas's inclusion here is it, it, it's assuming that, oh, well, yeah, they beat Alabama. They did not beat this. They did not play the same Alabama team that Georgia played. Not even close. Not even comparison. And by the same token, explain to me how an undefeated team doesn't make it. I mean, this is this is crazy. I I never thought in my life I'd have to say that. I mean, but again, here's where the conspiracy comes in. I mean, it's like, were they really gonna leave the by God number one SEC out? I would have. I mean, based on some of the cases, if that if that was you know, it's I would have put Georgia in over Texas, but I would have left Alabama out. It's like, hey, you didn't do enough to impress me, and and I mean again, it goes back to uh, you know we talked about some of the bowl games like the opt outs and all that. I used to be a real big proponent of the you know bowl model plus one, but with so many players sitting out bowls, I'm the point is like, hey, let's put 48 teams in there now. Let's put 48 teams in there and and just to make it fair. Pick like the last like, and the reason they did forty eight is because you know your 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 top sixteen would have a bye. Thirty two teams would play in that first round, and people would watch. But make like eight or ten of those games. Hey, we're gonna take SMU and we're gonna put them at and put them against LSU. You know, LSU has four losses in the SEC. Well, they're better than any team. Yeah, well, I don't know. Let's put them on the gridiron and find out. So to me, that's that that's where the real issue here. I was disappointed with the committee because they they didn't pick the four best teams. They didn't pick the four most deserving teams. They dropped the ball. And, I mean, it's, at some point we need to quit guarding this like the um, Colonel's 24 Herbs and Spices. They just need to say, this is it. This is it. I get that it makes Dan Watkins' col- columns less interesting when you take all the speculation out, but that's what it should be. I mean, it, again, uh, Matthew mentioned I'm a software developer. Given this input, this is the result. It needs to be that way anytime. So to me, that that's the biggest thing. So it, since they're clearly not going to do that, then yeah, it's time to expand the field to like 48 and just start playing. So teams have to play their way in, and there's no debate. You know, we shouldn't be worried whether Florida State is better than Pec- Texas. We should put them out on the gridiron and let them settle it. I, I hear you, Terry. And I, you know, I was really a. a you know, uh, an anti-expansion fan. I still think you, my number one playoff scenario or postseason for the college college football would have been to keep all the bowls and just have a plus one. Um, but it, but it's clear that you know the BCS was a mess. Um, the fourteen playoff is is now you know lost all credibility. And I, I'm with you. I, I don't have you know they want to go to 24, 48. Hey, at least everyone has a shot. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go back to the ACC real quick, Terry. Who was your ACC football coach of the year? And who's on the hot seat for 2024? Okay. Well, I was going to say, uh, for coach of the year, it's one of those that's hard to go against uh, Brom and Norvell. Those are obvious choices. But 
I'm going with Mike Elko, and I say that because I thought the do- the Devils were going to crash back down to earth and be terrible this year. It just didn't happen. But what did we see? We saw them blow out Clemson the first week of the season, 28-7. to They could have very easily beaten Notre Dame. And I, I know they-, they flamed out at the end of the year, but they were so much better than I thought they would be. I really hate that Elko is, is going to Texas A&M because I felt like the, the Blue Devils would kind of be, you know, the, the Clemson, North Carolina, you know, back when Florida State was dominating the conference, they would be the Clemson in North Carolina. They, they would be the ones that, hey, they're going to get in here and they're going to win this this year. They're going to spoil it for everybody. So I, I really hate that he left. But the fact that he was coach to me says, hey, that's coach of the year. Um, again, no disrespect intended to Coach Norvell and Coach Brom. I, I thought they did they had excellent years as well. Um, as far as hot seat, to me, uh, there's candidates for here, but it's got to be Mario Cristobal. I keep hearing that they're going to be back. And um, this is this is where Hurricane fans are going to back me up here. They're not back. They are, after two seasons, they're a half game better than they were under Randy Shannon. They're one game better than they were under Al Golden. That's not going to cut it, especially now that you have all these people shelling out millions and millions of dollars saying, hey, we you know, we want a winner. We want to be now. We want to return to the 80s and 90s. It's not going to happen under his leadership. And like I'm saying, that that, that, that is, you know, you, <laughs> I get that, you know, it takes time. But Randy Shannon, Al Golden, those, those names, you, you don't want to be drawing comparison to those names. And, you know, now we got Tyler Van Dyke in the portal. Okay, are, are they going to be able to bring somebody in and, and, and contribute a quarterback? I mean, they're still having issues at quarterback. They have had quarterbacks forever. They've had Tate Martell was going to save them, and then he didn't. And then it's just been kind of a revolving door. And, I mean, they have NFL talent. They had backs on there like DJ Dallas, uh, you know, is in NFL now with the Seattle Seahawks. He was there. They, they, they did nothing with NFL talent on the roster. Is as good of a coach as Coach Cristobal is, Miami fans are not going to take these types of failures. And, you know, as I kind of put in there, I don't think they're going to tolerate losing to Greg Schiano. That and, and, and it's worth pointing out, Rutgers has not won a game since October. So believe me when I tell you, if Rutgers wins that game, and they might, there's going to be discussions about making a leadership change. All right, Terry. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Matthew, for the last couple questions in the podcast. All right, Terry. Terry, here we are, man. FCS semifinals. I mean, we've got some, got some, got some good ones going here, going on here. We've got Albany going to South Dakota State. That's the nightcap. The former is the North Dakota State University Bison going on the road. To the Montana Grizzlies, and this is kind of an unfamiliar spot for the Bison because they've really only played five true road games. I mean, I'm not including, of course, all the title games right at the neutral neutral site, which tend to be home games. But in the last more than a decade, I guess it's been at least 12 years, they've played five true road games. And it just so happens this season they've gone on the road in the playoffs to Montana State where they won in overtime, won in overtime, won, won 
it, one uh, blocked a field goal and won by one point there. Then they went to South Dakota this past week and just absolutely ransacked the Coyotes. I mean, and, and really by four touchdowns in a game that was never close. They're playing, they seem to be playing their best football right now. <laughs> but as I said, Bison are going on the road next Saturday to, to Montana, which should be honestly a terrific game. It's the first game, 4.30 p.m. East, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, and then the second game, like I said, you've got Albany going to South Dakota State. Who do you got winning both matchups? And who do you got winning all? Who, who do you got winning at all there? Okay, uh, I'm about to break your heart because you may not know this. Uh, coach Entz is going to be the linebackers coach at USC. I know, I know for sure. Okay, well, I was going to say that that if that were not the case, it would be North Dakota State. I wouldn't bat blink. I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't blink. It's funny you mentioned something about that. Uh, how well they were playing yesterday against. Uh, South Dakota, the thing that stood out to me was that their defensive line was getting pancakes. And what I mean by that was they explode off the ball, knock the offensive lineman down, make the sack, injure the quarterback, all in one play. I, I've never seen that. So they're, they're playing great ball. Uh, again, losing the head coach, I, I worry about that being a distraction. I also worry because at the you know Montana's very good to beat it. Very tough to beat at home. Uh, so I'm going to go with Montana. Um, so congratulations. That probably means that your guys won the <laughs> well, actually, you know, actually, he's going to stay at NDSU through this through the season, just like just like um, our friend Craig Bull did at Wyoming. He when, when they stayed and won the titles, he's doing the same thing Craig Bull did, and he's sticking around at NDSU through the end. Oh yeah, well, I, well, I didn't doubt that. But what I'm saying is that. Love it or hate it, I, I worry that it would be a distraction. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Part of that is being a head coach. Right? When you're dealing with a bunch of eight-year-olds, you're like, oh, man, it's not going to take very much to be a distraction. Uh, like I say, championship caliber program, maybe so. But, again, Montana winning at home. The other one, I, I'm sorry, I can't go against the Jackrabbits. That's my team. Uh, they, 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 they do everything well. They, they, and just when you think, just when you think, oh, they're going to give it up, uh, you know, yesterday there were a couple of times that, you know, I really felt like Villanova had them. They come up with some kind of explosive play. They come up with a, I just feel like they're, they're too good. So I've got the Jackrabbits uh, winning that game and then winning the tight, uh, well, I like the Jackrabbits against Mon Montana. I don't know that I like them against North Dakota State because, that would be basically a flip-flop matchup from last year. As we know, last year the team lost in the regular season and ended up winning in the playoffs. So that that if it ends up being North Dakota State, I'll pick them. But but if I had to pick right now, I'm thinking, hey, Jackrabbits all the way. They match up a little bit better against Montana. So I'll tell you, I'm actually feeling really good about the way the Bison are playing right now. They're playing the best football. They're playing the best football they played all year. And it's going to be a heck of a game in Montana. I mean, the scene out there is going to be – that's going to be probably one of the best football games that you see this year on any level. And I'll say, you know, Division One, Division One AA, Division Two, Division Three. It's going to be one of the best games that you'll see all year on TV, and I hope everybody on this podcast is watching that football game because – it's going to be it's going to be fabulous to be fr it's going to be fabulous to be frank cuz my the the watching a football game in Missoula is quite a scene it is quite a scene so 
Let's go through here. We got the college football playoff picks. Who do you got winning the two games here nationally, and who do you got winning the title? Okay, Alabama destroys Michigan. Huh? I, I, I hate to be Lou Holtz here, but it's for the exact same reason. I just don't think there's physical. I don't think the Big Ten is as physical as the SEC. Um, for for those listening at at TPJ or at Terry P Johnson, if you want to direct hate. <laughs> And I feel very strongly about it. Um, the second one, I've got Washington winning that one because I, I've heard people say the whole time, well, Washington will lose six games. I'm telling you, Washington will lose six games if you played in the SEC. I don't believe that at all. Uh, Coach uh, DeBoer is a winner. He, he's won everywhere he's been, even all the way down to NIIA, won a national championship or two, I believe, at uh, Sioux Falls. He just won everywhere he's been. So Washington is physical. Washington plays ball. I think they're better than Te I think they're a better team than Texas. Uh, I think Alabama beats Washington in the uh, national championship game strictly because I saw them do it. And I know Chris Peterson was the coach there, but that was one of the worst whippings I've ever seen. And Chris Peterson doesn't get out coached. Nick Saban even out coached even out coach Chris Peterson, which is saying quite a lot. I mean, the guy was 60-9 and nine at one point. Uh, I think Alabama beats Washington. I think all these games are blowouts. And the selection committee looks really bad for doing the wrong thing. That's really good. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good take. That's a, really good, that's a really good take. Jeff, you got any follow-up there before we go to the open mic? No, I mean I think Terry about uh, he's about covered the the the, the last fifteen twenty minutes here perfectly. Committee got it wrong. Wrong teams are in it. Uh, Alabama when they get a reprieve, which they've got multiple times in in the in the playoff selection. Uh, you give Nick Saban, uh, you know, a month to prepare for a team, and uh, you know he's. I mean, I, I, I like the pick over over Michigan. Me too, and I also don't think that Michigan – I've been blasting Michigan all year about how they haven't played anybody until until Thanksgiving week. And, I, and, and people have been hating on me for saying that. So I, I'm sorry, but I think it's true, and I agree with Terry and Jeff. So <laughs> open microphone time. What do you got for – I'm going to go back to it is like, let's get rid of the Bulls. I, I hate to say this, and I never thought I would, but with all these players sitting out and all these matchups being like, okay, do I really want to see this? And all these six and six teams, no, it's time to go. And I've, I've got the idea. Expand it to 48. Expand it to 48 teams. Leave six or eight of those for gang of five teams. If they think they're better than the SEC or the ACC or the Pac-12, guess what? Well, Pac-12, that's fine. Um... <laughs> But if they think they're better than these teams, hey, let's settle on the gridiron and not in the boardroom. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's all I really want is, you know, you can use metrics and you can use these things, but the only way you're going to know if Team A is better than Team B is to settle it on the field. If we use the selection committee's criteria, Ohio State was never a champion in 2002. They wouldn't have even – they probably wouldn't have been in the top six. So it's time to – it's time to, you know, within all parameters – Let's get the matchups. Let's settle it on the field because if we settle it on the field, 
guess what, as Bob Knight would say, you darn people from television are going to be awfully happy with the result. Well done. You're up, Jeff. All right, Matthew, um, you're still on mute. Yeah, you're up. Je you're up, Jeff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think think Terry's he's 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 covered it from start to finish here on the on on the playoff committee. There's not anything I don't uh, uh, agree with him. I mean, when it when it comes to the to the bowls, I mean, I grew up with the with the bowls. I mean, I looked forward to January first, and you had like seven games on at one time, and so much at stake. And 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 now it's, um, you know, the, I mean, the results are are, are pretty much uh, meaningless. I'm, I mean, I'm going to feel the same. You know, when you look at the ACC, whether they go 0 and 11 or 11 and 0, there, there's too many, there's too many opt outs, there's too many transfers. Not not saying they shouldn't be able to do it or anything like that, but I mean. With the way, way the bowls are set up now, um, you know the, the games just don't mean anything um, as as far as you know. Even how you rank teams, you know there are going to be teams that go up and down based on the wins and losses of these games, uh, knowing that you know star quarterbacks are transferring, and um, you know some teams I've seen have got as many as fifteen players, you know, opting out. And so if you want to save the the postseason. Um, even with the expansion to 12 next year, you know, event, you know, what's, is, what's going to happen is one of those teams, um, that gets into the playoffs is going to have an opt out, even when you expand to 12. So, you, I mean, you've got to change the, maybe the transfer date, expand the playoffs, make it more, even more meaningful. You know, unfortunately the bulls great idea enjoyed the pageantry for many years but it's it's concept that seems to be past its its prime now well said jeff well said i'm gonna i'm gonna add something here uh and but it's gonna be totally off topic it's gonna about be gonna be about acc basketball i think the biggest impact transfer within the ACC that came through the portal portal this year is Joseph Gerard three, who's gone to Clemson. He is uh, knocking about 45.5% of his three, three point shots. He hits about three points a game. And consequently PJ Hall's field goal percentage has just dramatically increased. It opens things up for PJ Hall. And it's, I mean, just talked about how, how well Clemson done this year. And I think that I mean, Joe Gerard is a, Huge impact. He opens up a lot of things for Clemson. But, do, Jeff, do you know who the top uh, field goal percentage person is in the ACC? Do you know who uh, Do you know who I've been saying is the most improved player all year? Uh, I do not who, know who is the top field goal percentage shooter in the Lynn, ACC. Lynn Kidd from Virginia Tech. I, I think him and, him and Ian Shefflin are going to be battling it out for most improved player in the ACC this year. Lynn Kidd. Well, you know, I think no, so I, I think your guy there does all the what do they call it? All the dirt all the dirty things. Like he rolls his hand on the floor, you know, he he rolls around on the floor, he jumps around to get rebounds. You know what I mean? Sort of thing. He just does he is some one of those guys I think they say is you get yeah, they call it you know, carpet, you know, getting your, your arms dirty on the carpet stats. Yeah. That's, that's what he does. 
But Lynn Kidd, the leap that he's made from last year to this year, this has been astronomical. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's been, I, I think that he'll, I think Lynn Kidd has done well enough where he'll, where he'll find himself on perhaps the second team all ACC, Jeff. I'm actually dead serious about that. He's just been incredible this year. And I'm not going to, I, I, you know, I, I don't say this as a Homer fan here. Like, I mean, he's just the way he's changed his game and how much work he's put in the off season. You can see, you can see what's happening for him. And, and he may, you know, he, there, there was a point Saturday when I, or Saturday when I saw Virginia Tech play Valparaiso, when they had both Potit and, uh, and Lynn Kidd on the floor at the same time. So Virginia Tech can play with two big guys. And it was rare for me to see that because that's not normally a Mike Young MO. So I was but I was impressed to see that too. But I think you'll see Lynn Kidd on one of the top two ACC teams by the end of the year. I I I think at the midpoint, I could put him on the first team. And I'm I'm it's probably kind of crazy for me to say that. So that's my open mic. Terry. Thanks so much for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show. Would love to have you come back again sometime. Anytime, because I've known to make some very uh, strange tournament predictions that have a way of working out. <laughs> All right. Take care. Y'all be good. Thanks so you much. Too.